Hello everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Compact Discourse, right here on WEGL 91.1 FM, Auburn's premier home for student-run radio since 1971. I'm your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside my color man, Davis Carroll. We'd like to welcome in our listeners and viewers from across the Auburn Opelika Megaplex and around the world, however you may be tuning in today, whether that be from your terrestrial radio antenna, listening on WEGLFM.com, or tuning in after the fact on Transistor.fm, watching us on Eagle Eye TV, or listening to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We are, of course, Auburn's only student-run drive-time morning show, and as always, we are broadcasting live from the Bradley Bays and WEGL studios here in the Harold Melton Student Center on the campus of Auburn University, where it is a lovely 54 degrees and sunny outside this Wednesday morning, welcoming you into Compact Discourse once again. Davis, how are you feeling about today? Feeling pretty good. Went one and zero yesterday for intramurals. Oh, so is that is that so? Te- we te- by technicality, it was a forfeit. But hey, we got four uh, sportsmanship points for showing up. Okay, good deal. Boom, one and zero. So intramural team already off to a fabulous start as they uh, open the season with a one and zero record and four sportsmanship points. That's awesome. Boom. Out of four, oh. for the record. At this point, I would like to remind our audience that if at any point in the next two hours you feel so inclined to ask a question, drop a hot take, or in the highly unlikely event that we get something wrong, if you would like to correct us, you can go ahead and call in at 334-844-9345. That's 334-844-WEGL. You can also send us a tweet at cdiscau, that is at C-D-I-S-C-A-U, and our dedicated team of call screeners will handle your inquiry we'd love to hear from you on this wednesday morning all right uh we'll jump right into things we'll apologize for the lack of show yesterday i was feeling a bit under the weather and not fit to come in and 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 host a radio show but today is different today we're going to get on with the show we have plenty to talk about some things we missed out on yesterday and some things that transpired last night that we'd love to talk about including some playoff baseball as two teams were looking for their third win in the American League champ er, and the championship series and fell short as uh, both of these series are now becoming much more competitive after they both look to be like routes uh, after the opening th- uh, two games. So we will jump into that after the first break, but um, there's still plenty to get to other than that. Um, but first, we're going to do some campus announcements uh, looking at your this week at AU. Once again, I'd like to remind everybody that the, the Let's Talk Money student seminar with financial literary coach Eric Smith is today. That is open to all Auburn students. It is a free seminar. It will be today, Wednesday, October 20th from 3 to 4 in Melton Student Center, room 2107. Um, that is a seminar on how to tackle student loans, establish credit, manage debt, save money, and maximize resources with a renowned financial literary coach, Eric Smith. Smith has provided financial wellness sessions to more than 125,000 college students, including hundreds of Auburn students and athletes. So once again, that is the Let's Talk Money seminar. It is today, October 20th, from 3 to 4 p.m. in the Melton Student Center, room 2107. All right, campus notices. Applications are open for spring break study abroad program in Quebec City, Canada. Participants in the Alabama Healthy Marriage and Relationship Education's free relationship education classes can earn money. Today is the last day to register for the CLA Diversity Symposium. 
uh, GRISE at Auburn. Applications are open. And the Miller Writing Center will be celebrating National Writing Day on today, October 20th. How about that? Sounds good. Um, we also like to, to notice that the Eagle Eye Studio over next door to us has been named in honor of former student and CNN reporter Chloe Malaz Matza. So congratulations to Eagle Eye for having their studio named after a student, just like we our studio is named after Bradley Basin. Um, we also have dates announced for Auburn University's theater and dance staged reading of A Doll's House Part 2. The Beat Bama Food Drive is going to kick off on October 17th. Um, the Black Student Union, <coughs> excuse me, um, their assembly is coming up as well. You've also got um, a few other things, including uh, Weagle Stages, Auburn Stages, rather, is uh, coming up uh, tomorrow evening. Uh, we might have Dylan coming in tomorrow to hype that one up. I know he's really excited about that act, but... Auburn Stages is going to be tomorrow, the 21st. We've also got UPC is showing A Quiet Place Part 2 tomorrow on the 21st. Um, the International Student Organization Social Hour is to be held on the 22nd. That is Friday. And I think that is going to just about do it for all of your campus announcements. Um, other than that, the Lyft Late Night Smart Ride program credits are now available. So if you're interested in that, all of this and more can be found in your This Week at Auburn email that you will uh, get if you are an Auburn student. So plenty to look forward to this week, including excuse me, Auburn Stages. Auburn Stages is pretty much the best event on campus. It is live music, absolutely free for all Auburn students. And um, looking ahead at Auburn Stages for this week, um, we did have to cancel Auburn Stages last week due to a scheduling conflict, and I know they had a lot of fun over at an open mic night to replace it. But this week we've got uh, Kara Lay coming up. That is um, one of Dylan's favorite acts. It is uh, going to be a lot of fun. It is coming up on. It's going to be on the campus green space. So check that one out if you are going to be on campus tomorrow evening. Um, Oh, I'm sorry, it's going to be Audiophile with special guest Pacemaker. That is on the campus green. It is an alt-rock band with a hip-hop opener. Both of them are from Birmingham. That is going to be on the campus green starting at 5 p.m. And That's going to be Auburn Stages for this week. So get excited for that. If you're going to be on campus tomorrow, check out that one. And if you um, are not interested in live music, you can also check out A Quiet Place Part 2. That is going to be at 7 p.m. on at Plainsman Park. So if you actually, you could probably go to both of those um, right next to each other, Campus Green and Plainsman Park, 5 p.m. and 7 p.m. Got Auburn Stages tomorrow night, the 21st, and then you got A Quiet Place Part Two at Plainsman Park, put on by UPC. That one is at 7 p.m. So plenty of exciting events coming up on campus this week. So. You will be able to be entertained uh, very easily if you are on campus tomorrow evening. Once again, that is um, Auburn Stages at 5 p.m. on the campus green and A Quiet Place Part 2, part of Tiger Nights and UPC. That one's going to be at Plainsman Park at 7 p.m. All right, that's going to just about do it for campus announcements for today. So I'm going to, we're going to head to a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk playoff baseball including the Atlanta Braves dropping a game out west to the Los Angeles Dodgers. 
and uh, the Red Sox in Fenway looking to take a 3-1 series lead fell short as the Astros rallied for a big eighth inning to put the series tied 2-2. So all of that and more when we come back from a break. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL. Back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM and WeagleFM.com. I'm your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside Davis Carroll on a Wednesday morning. We're going to be talking about some playoff baseball for the next segment or two. Um, we'll start off with the first game that happened last night, and that was the National League Championship Series Game 3 with the uh, Atlanta Braves taking on the Los Angeles Dodgers. Atlanta coming out west with a two-games-to-nothing lead, looking to take a stranglehold over the Dodgers. And came up short in that one as um, Atlanta led for a majority of this game, but the lead was quickly lost in the eighth inning as Cody Bellinger knocked a three-run home run and Mookie Betts uh, scored another to make it a 6-5 to five Braves uh, deficit they were not able to overcome in the top of the ninth. Luke Jackson gets the loss in this one. He records just one out in that eighth inning and gives up four earned runs. Uh, Gonzalez gets the win. Um, one of, I think, seven? No, much more than seven. One of nine pitchers used by the Dodgers last night, and Kenley Jansen. Seager opened up the game with a two-run home run to make it a two-run Dodgers lead. Mookie Betts uh, walked to get onto first base, and then Seager launched one to center, 444 feet. Um, but then it was all Braves for the rest of the middle part of the game. Jock Peterson singles to right to score Freddie Freeman and move Austin Riley over to third in the fourth inning. Also in the fourth, Duvall singles to left, scores Riley, and moves Peterson over to second. Uh, in that fourth, Swanson also singled over uh, over to short. Peter, Peterson scores on that one. Darnold moves, and Duvall moves on that one. And then in the fourth, the final scoring play for the Braves, Rosario walks. Duvall scores, and Swanson goes to second. Darnold goes to third to make it 4-2. to two. In the fifth inning, Duvall singles to score Albies. And then in that eighth inning... After the Braves looked to be, the Braves bullpen looked to be perfect, uh, Luke Jackson comes in and uh, gives up a home run to Cody Bellinger deep to right center field, 400 feet. Uh, Smith scores and Pollock scores on that one. Uh, The next at-bat, Mookie bets doubles to right center field, and Chris Taylor scores on that one to make it 6-5. to Um, Your best performers on the night for the Atlanta Braves were probably... uh, Looks like Freddie Freeman went three for four after uh, starting off this series pretty cold. He comes out and takes care of the business and <coughs> contributes to the Braves offense. Dansby Swanson, two of four. Adam Duvall, two of five. And Jock Peterson, 
two of four, including a, an RBI. So he improves his postseason average to 364. Um, does Jock as he looks to continue the Jocktober streak. And for the Dodgers, the best performance at the plate were Will Smith, two of five. Mookie Betts, two of three with two walks. And uh, Lux, the uh, center fielder for the Dodgers, he draws two walks in his uh, performance as well. So that is what happened over in Los Angeles last night. Um, Atlanta issues seven walks to LA's six. LA steals two bases to Atlanta's one. LA throws 12 strikeouts to Atlanta's nine. And LA gets 17 total bases to LA's or to Atlanta's 13. And so the Braves looking, they had their eyes on a three to nothing series lead, now are on their back feet as they look at a two to one series lead with two more games still left to play in Los Angeles. So where does this leave the Braves right now, Davis? You know, well, okay. So, you know, the fun fact about the Braves, they have not won in Dodger Stadium since uh, June 8th, 2018. Really? It says they've also, that was going back to the 2013 NLDS, the Braves have dropped (laughs) 20 of their last 23 in L.A., and they've lost 10 straight to Los Angeles overall. So not looking good for the uh, for the Braves in Dodger Stadium. But also, another th- another fun streak that got broken last night. The Dodgers had lost all 83 previous postseason games in both Los Angeles and even going bra- back to when they were in Brooklyn, what, 40, 50 years ago, in which they trailed three or more runs in the eighth inning or later. So one of those really specific stats, but a pretty pretty uh, significant one that was broken today by Bellinger, who he's starting to really heat up in the playoffs, even though he had a terrible season this year, batting 165 for the year and 240 on base and 94 strikeouts uh, and 315 at bats. Uh, Bellinger is really doing good. Uh, I think the Braves. I'm still going to favor the Braves in this one. I think they played pretty well, all things considered. Only lost by one off a three-run home run from Bellinger. So, I mean, just obviously might not sound too crazy to say, but just limit those home runs. Try to keep them in the try to keep them in the park. I think the Braves can easily win this. They can steal the next game if they're if they're playing very uh mm, that's not the right word. They're playing very uh good. I can't think of the right word. But then go back to Truist and maybe send it home. I'm gonna I'm gonna still say the Braves for this one. Yeah, I will I will agree with you there because the Dodgers have been kind of backed into a corner. They they threw everything they had at the Braves last night. And uh they used I mean they used nine pitchers and their bullpen was looking pretty sparse by the end of the game. So they can't do that in the next in order to win the series, they would have to win three more games. And I don't think you can you can use that. You can't use your bullpen the same way they did last night in three more games. You just won't have the energy for it, uh, or any gas left in the tank. So, I think either something's going to have to change dramatically for the Dodgers. They're going to have to have a really good performance by their starters, or I think that the Braves are going to have a time kind of dealing with their bullpen because, like I said, they used they used a different pitcher in almost every inning last night. So, it was. Uh, 
an unsustainable kind of. Uh, you had Bueller go go three three and three and two thirds, but they chased him pretty quickly um, after that fourth inning. He had four earned runs to his name. So then the, the, the carousel started. You had Vezia come in for an out, Knable come in for an out, Bickford come in for two outs, Brule come in for two outs, Joe Kelly came in for just an out, uh, Phillips came in for an, an inning of relief, Gonzalez came in for one out, and then Kenley Jansen, your closer, he came in for three outs. So you can't, you can't use nine pitchers every game and expect to win a series uh, unless you're scoring 10 runs a game, which this has been a very low-scoring series so far. And uh, I don't think it's a sustainable level of operation for the Dodgers in this one. So with the who was on the mound when Bellinger hit it? Uh, Luke Luke Jackson. Okay, I don't know much about Luke Jackson, so I'm not gonna speak on him too much. But I will say the Braves really got their a lot of their points in, just in general from just solid hits, solid singles, doubles to get them around. And the Dodgers really only, only scored because they hit two home runs in the game. And they say one home run won't kill you, like a one-run home run won't kill you. Yeah. But obviously, two home runs totaling five uh, <clears throat> runs scored will kill you. So, I mean, like, I'm not sure what type of pitcher Luke Jackin- Jackson is, but I feel like if you have <clears throat> uh, people on base and Bellinger coming up who you know has the potential to do that, maybe get like a ground ball pitcher in there or someone that's not going to – Less likely to have that happen, but I guess if they're going through their bullpen so quick, they might not have the option for that. The Braves, that is. That's true. Yeah, and I th- I think what the Braves need to do is just not not rest on their laurels, but realize that they have the series lead and they don't have to um, go out and attack. They can kind of play defense, but at the same time, they have to remain aggressive because they know. I think this team knows better than any other team how easy it is to let a, a 3-1 lead slip away from you. And that is, if they win tonight, they will be in that exact same position they would be. They were in um, just a year ago when they faced the Dodgers in the NLCS and lost game three, uh, won game four, and then proceeded to drop the next three to let the Dodgers into the World Series. So <clears throat> the biggest thing for Snitker and the Braves is going to be to have just a short memory. Uh you want to have, I mean, you want to have a, remember that this isn't a given, uh, remember last year, but re- forget about games one, two, and three, because they don't matter anymore, and you can't let uh, what ha- transpired in those first three contests dictate what's going to happen in this contest, so it's going to be interesting to see how, which, which uh, performers from the Braves step up and take on the challenge, considering you had uh, Freddie Freeman, who was ice cold in the first two games of this series. I think he was 0 for 8 with seven strikeouts. Um, he broke out of the slump going 3 for 4 with a walk and a run scored uh, here. And then you also have Adam Duvall going 2 for 5, driving in two RBIs and scoring another. So every Atlanta batter got, got on base at least once. So if you can continue that level of success and mitigate the uh, the home runs. I think I think if Luke Jackson keeps that ball from going over the fence, uh, the Braves do pull this one out. Maybe it's 5 to 4, uh, but you you can't give up three-run home runs and expect to come out victorious in a National League playoff series. Maybe in the American League where where scoring is 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 uh, quick and easy, but I think I think if you're going to maintain a level of success that is playoff worthy, 
you gotta you got to keep the home runs down to single shots. Exactly. I but do, are you feeling confident about the Braves overall in this series? Still, it's hard for me to be confident in the Braves after last season um, and after last night. Honestly, um, they really I I really would have liked to see them win that game last night. Uh, considering how how well the bullpen was pitching, uh, Mentor came out and was was perfect. He had one hit. He had one hit and two strikeouts. Um, the Brave. I mean, the Dodgers put a lot of people on base last night, and uh, the fact that the Braves were able to keep them to the, just that opening home run till the eighth inning was a pretty much a entirely based off of the. The work of the bullpen and the good defense. Charlie Morton, uh, while he went five, did not have a very impressive stat line. He uh, he walked six batters, uh, had five strikeouts, and gave up three hits. So the Braves, uh, the bases were pretty crowded um, throughout the entire game. The Dodgers just weren't able to break through until that eighth inning. So that makes me a bit nervous moving forward. But I would, I did like. It seems like the Braves won't get another opportunity as good as this one for some time unless they manufacture it themselves. So I would have liked the Braves to capitalize on all the mistakes the Dodgers were making last night, but it was all for naught as uh, they had up to a 93% chance to win until that three-run home run uh, really turned the tide of things. So we're going to head to a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the Astros and the Red Sox as they continue to battle up in Fenway for one more game. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with some more Compact Discourse. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM, WEGLFM.com, and however you may be joining us today, thank you for spending your Wednesday morning with us here on the Big 91, that is WEGL 91.1 FM. Got an exciting lineup of shows for you today here on WEGL. After we get out of here today, we should have DJP DJing the Rock Block from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. noon. Um, So two hours of rock music coming up after Compact Discourse today. Uh, We've also got from noon to one, some local music. And from one to five, we got some folk music, folk and country coming up during the middle of the day. At 5 p.m., we start off our Weagle Wednesday block of shows with one more hour with Aaron. Uh, then at 6, you got Happy Days with Jay, with Jalen Russell. That's at 6. And then at 7, you got the Woodstock Hour. Uh, turn back the clock with some Real Deal Classic Rock with DJP. That's at 7 p.m. Central Time. And then at 8 p.m., you got Cheetah Print with DJ CD and Smackwater Jack. That one's coming up at 8 p.m. right after Woodstock Hour gets over with. Um, then from, from 9 to 11 p.m., you got uh, the, the Rap Block is coming on right after 
cheetah print. So just keep the dial right here on 91.1 all day long for uh, great music, talk, and more. Uh, we got some great music today, though. Um, that's Once again, that's one more hour, Happy Days with Jay, Woodstock Hour, and Cheetah Print, all starting at uh, they start at 5 p.m. all the way through 9 p.m. Um, and I think we got DJP coming on later on in today's show. So get excited for that. You want to call in with a request for what you want to hear during the rock music hour or later on today on Woodstock hour. Uh, just give us a call or uh, send him, uh, send his <laughs> social medias a message. And I'm sure he'd be happy to accommodate any requests you may have. All right. Looking at your weather report for today. It, right now it is 58 degrees and sunny, uh, no chance of rain. Uh, we're going to get up to 79 degrees is your high today with a low of 62. So the heat's coming back just a little bit after a uh, chilly weekend. Uh, we've also got a afternoon temp of 77 degrees, partly cloudy. And then this evening, it's going to cool off to 64, overnight temp of 63 with a 35% chance of rain. So the rain shall be returning tonight. Um with a 35% chance of rain here in Auburn, Alabama. The sun is going to set at 6.03 p.m., so plan accordingly. Um, UV index is at 1, and of course, it's a full moon, so get excited for that. There should be plenty of light to walk around with tonight, uh, as the moon is indeed full. I saw it last night. It was pretty cool. It looked quite nice under the lights of the intramural field, I will say. It was very, very vibrant. I'm a big fan of full moons. Full moons are nice, especially in October. It's, uh, I like how the, the clouds look, you know. Chris made a claim last night about full moons that I'm very interested to look into. He said that his mom told him, she used to work at a daycare, I think he told me, and she said on nights where there were full moons that, that day, the kids were always the craziest. Hmm. Which I don't see a correlation, I'm, but Chris was like, the gravity of the moon pulling makes them a little crazier, which I'm not, I'm pretty sure, I'm sure he was joking, but maybe he's not, maybe that's what it is. I think there's any, like, science behind that, it's like a werewolf evolutionary trait we have where we act crazy on full moons. Um, maybe that's where werewolves came from. I'm seeing that kids sleep a little less during a full moon, but only by a few minutes. Matt, that's kind of... Is that, like, enough to really count? The idea that the moon has an effect on people's behavior goes back to ancient times, but studies have found little evidence to back up this idea. Hmm. I'm sure uh, I'm sure there's some... That's where the idea of werewolves came from. Some people started acting crazy on full moons. They're like, mm-hmm. this, di- this guy's a wolf. Because they're sleeping less. Hmm. I act a little crazy when I don't have enough sleep. Do you act crazy during certain cycles of the moon? Mm. If you saw a harvest moon, would you go crazy? Uh, no. A no. blue moon? Mm, you, that's not something you can see. What? I thought it looks a little blue. I've never seen one. No, so. a blue moon is just a full moon that happens twice in one calendar month. Oh. I didn't know that. So if there's like a full moon on the 1st, then like the full moon that happens on the 30th would be a blue moon. Oh, okay. So how many different like moon varieties? <laughs> Different moon types. There's blood moon, harvest moon. Uh, what's the one where it's really bright? Um, like really bright. The super moon. Super moon. Yeah, that was it a is funny a super name. moon. Yeah. Hmm. JP brings up a good point that there's a neon moon. Um, is, yeah, song. 
I'm not convinced that's a real thing. Uh, according to NASA and this website for children, uh, there's a blood moon, a super moon, a blue moon, and a harvest moon. Oh, so we got them all. Well, there you go. Yeah, got them all. Do you know how those happen? Because I don't. Um, well, and I'm curious to learn. Oh well, the kids' learn. website. The kids' my... website may be a valuable resource. Uh, the NASA.gov. Uh, one meaning of a blood moon is based on its red glow. The blood moon occurs during a total lunar eclipse. During a total lunar eclipse, the Earth lines up with the moon and the sun. This hides the moon from the sunlight. When this happens, the only light that reaches the moon's surface is from the edges of the Earth's atmosphere. The air molecules from the atmosphere scatter out most mm. of the blue light, and the remaining light reflects onto the moon's surface with a red glow, making the moon appear red in the night sky. Interesting. Now, a supermoon appears to be larger than usual moon in our night sky. A supermoon looks larger just because it's a bit closer to Earth. Supermoon is actually just a nickname for what astronomers call a perigean full moon, a moon that is full and at its closest point in orbit around Earth. That's my favorite type. A blue moon? They are talking about something rare. A blue moon is not blue in color. In fact, a blue moon does not look any different than a regular monthly full moon. Rather, a blue moon is special because it is the quote-unquote extra moon in a season with four full moons. This only happens every two and a half years since the 1940s. The term blue moon has also been used for the second full moon in a calendar month. This usually happens only once every two and a half years. So that's why people say once in a blue moon to mean something rare. Okay. All right, and then lastly, we have a harvest moon. A harvest moon refers to the full bright moon that occurs to the start of the autumn season. The name dates from the time before electricity when farmers depended on the moon's light to harvest their crops late into the night. The moon's light was particularly important during fall when harvests are the largest. So I think any bright full moon in autumn is a harvest moon. Okay. Interesting. What do you think ancient people thought of all those different colored moons? They probably thought it was like a... Sign from the gods. Yeah, because, I mean, looking up at the sky, the moon's what you notice, you know? It's the, it's, the, it's the big thing. I just read something in ancient Mesopotamia. If you were able to predict an eclipse, you become the proxy king for a time, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, how would you be able to predict an eclipse, though? I mean, we do it now, but like... Yeah, we know stuff, though. They knew stuff back then. Don't count out the people of ancient times. They were pretty smart. The That dude in Egypt figured out the curvature of the Earth by sticking a pole in the ground. I'm sure he could have figured out when the moon's going to be dark. Maybe the, I mean, maybe the guy that, if you can figure out when the, uh, when the eclipse is happening, maybe you do deserve to be the king. I mean, that means you're pretty smart, but... Wasn't did ancient Mesopotamia had divine right? Probably most of them did back then. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not caught up on my ancient Mesopotamia historical knowledge. I'm gonna be honest with you. Apparently, every month has a unique name for its full moon. Does it really? Yeah. Do you have them all there? I yeah I do. You want to give us any of the highlights? Um, the March is the Worm Moon. What? Yeah. Why? Because do worms come out or something? Native Americans called this last full moon of winter the Worm Moon after the worm trails that would appear in the newly thawed ground. Other names include the Chast Moon, the Death Moon, the Crust Moon, the Sap Moon, and, uh, yeah, the Worm Moon. Hmm. Um, June is the Strawberry Moon. Interesting. August is the Sturgeon Moon. Like the Fish Sturgeon? I think so. Interesting. Um, September is, of course, your harvest moon. Uh, October is the hunter's moon. Hmm. I wonder if it's 
you can you can hunt without external lights. I think that's yeah. The hunter's moon is also particularly bright and long in the sky, giving hunters the opportunity Boom. to stalk prey at night. Um, November is the beaver moon, obviously. Uh, obviously. Yeah. And December is of course the cold moon. That one's uh, that one's kind of lame. Yeah. That's a lame. They name. fell flat there at the finish line. <laughs> The moon is very interesting because there's so many there's so many different cultural things about it because everybody it's one of the few shared experiences yeah. that the world had back before uh, you know the internet that stars the sun I mean like weather not all weather though but like rain I'd say mm-hmm. very interesting to consider yeah I mean and then there's the whole the whole uh, like man on the moon. The face? Are you are you a disciple of the man on the moon? Can you see the face? Uh, I have, I I could kind of see the the face on Mars. That one's pretty obvious. I'm talking about the moon. Dude. Yes, I know. I'm just saying, I don't really see it. No, to be honest with you. No, yeah. Uh, this guy's trying to. This person's trying to point it out on here. I do not see it. I will say though, if I lived in ancient times, I would definitely think the moon was a god. I'm just gonna shoot shoot straight with you right now. What I, I honestly I don't know what else I'd think it was unless the king of Mesopotamia told me when the eclipse was coming and told me it was a moon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it'd be pretty reasonable <laughs> for people back then to have moon gods. I'm looking at pictures of the moon. Um, when the moon's up in the sky, I'm pretty sure I could see the man on the moon. But all these like artificial pictures of the moon from different angles. Like I'm having a hard time seeing it. I need to bring my telescope back up from home. I'm a big I'm a big telescope looker. Gate stargazer. Stargazer. Can you see stars very well from your from your home? No. The the light pollution from mobiles really met, mucked it all up. Mm-hmm. The best place to go is like Fairhope, like out on a pier, but even then it's not that good. I want to go to like Arizona or something where you can really see everything. Yeah, I would cry. I don't know. I wouldn't cry, but that'd be crazy. You might cry. I might cry. I I love me some stars. I wouldn't rule out crying. I will say, if I was offered the chance to go to space, I'd most likely do it, unless there's like an asterisk, like I'd have to work at a mining colony where an alien, where the alien was. Yeah, you want to avoid the mining colonies where the (laughs) aliens are. That's it's always a mining colony in those movies. Well, that's all that's up in space. You ever seen you know, the movie Moon? There's no. Is it just called Moon? Yes, yeah, by Sam Rockwell. It's actually directed by Sam Bowie or David Bowie's son, not Sam Bowie. It's a basketball player. Oh, it's actually really good. It's he's stuck on a mine colony, and a clone of him shows up, and they have to figure out what's going on. It's really good. Interesting. It's pretty indie. Extraordinary is what. Uh, a mesmerizing, I'd say it's extraordinary. a mesmerizing mind bender. You don't want to miss it. I've got that poster on my wall. It has like the the optical illusion of the lines around and makes it look like it's doing different things. Yep, very that's, fun. That's the one. I recommend it if you're ever interested. All right, wreck of the day. Sam Rockwell's Moon. I uh, love me 20, some Sam Rockwell. Two hundred fifty thousand miles from home. The hardest thing to face is yourself. yourself. All um. right. And with uh with that, we're gonna conclude Moon Chat. Head to a quick break, and when we come back, we are gonna talk about that Astros. Red Sox game uh, that was played under a full moon, and that we might even welcome DJP into the studio later on. So you aren't going to want to miss it. Keep it right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. WEGL 
welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside Davis Carroll. I'd like to remind everybody that you can follow WEGL on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at WEGL underscore AU. That is the place on the web for all of WEGL's social media. That is, of course, WEGL underscore AU. Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, all at the same handle right there. All right, so let's jump right into the American League Championship Series where uh, the Houston Astros tied the Boston Red Sox last night up in Fenway. So one more game still to be played in Fenway before the series concludes over in Houston, no matter who wins tonight. So we got... um, a pretty hotly contested game, which was quite the surprise after um, the season, the, the way that the Astros had been performing in the last two games, getting absolutely shelled by this Boston Red Sox offense. So uh, the everything went to plan at the beginning with um, Bregman homering to left field, 354, which is indeed a home run in Boston. Uh then, then we move on to the to Houston, where Zach Grinke gets chased after just one inning. Uh, he he walks three batters, has two earned runs, and gives up one hit to make his postseason ERA about 14. Um, so Bogarts homers off of him to left center field, 413, to make uh, make it a 2-1 to ball game. Rafael Devers was on base to make it a two-run shot. So Grinke gets chased in that one. And then you have Rayleigh, Javier, Maton, and Graveman all come up uh, for the for the Astros, and they um, are perfect. They give up no runs and allow this game to remain tied, or not tied, uh, remain two to one into the eighth inning. So six outs away from falling behind three to one, the Astros are in desperation time, and in the top of the eighth. Jose Altuve is the hero for the Strohs. He homers to left field 400 feet to tie the ball game up at two apiece. Um, So it looks like uh, it is going to be a 2-2 game heading into the ninth inning when uh, the floodgates open for the Astros and all heck breaks loose in Fenway and the Astros explode for seven runs in the top of the ninth inning to make it a 9-2 to lead for the Astros, and Boston goes quietly in the bottom of the ninth, and the series is tied 2-2. to I'm not sure how quietly Boston fans will go because it was <clears throat> the, the seven runs scored were off of a bad strike three call, or a non-call, that is. It was 1-2, Jason Castro. Up. For, for Eovaldi? Yeah. Okay. And uh, Jason Castro, it was 1-2. It was... It, it looked like a strike, I'll admit. But, I mean, refs aren't perfect. Uh, then the next the next uh, ball thrown, Castro hits a single, and then they just start the route, Nine, finished at 9-2. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure Red Sox fans aren't happy about it. I'm sure if Locke and Bay Marks were in here, they would not be very, very happy. Yeah, Castro gets the, the party started with a single to center. That scores Correa. Uh, then Brantley doubles, Alvarez singles, and Correa reaches on an infield single, and as well as Tucker singling. All of those, uh, just the merry-go-round, circles around. Uh, the Astros almost completely bat through their lineup, 
and they score seven unanswered runs there in the top of the ninth inning to get a lot of momentum heading back to, uh, well, to, to play game five, I might add, after getting completely destroyed, if I'm being completely honest with you, in the previous two games of this series. How, how, what do you think about the rest of the series for the Astros? Because obviously the Red Sox are red hot. They've hit three grand slams in the series and hit, hit ten homers overall. So I mean, like you're not you're not really slowing down their bats. So well, you better score. You better that, outscore them. That's what I would have thought. But I mean, this game comes up and they're held. Comp- I mean, much like yeah. the Dodgers last night after an early home run in the the top of, in the bottom of the first, they are held quiet for the rest of the game. So I don't know what's going on after they they scored so well um, in the in the uh, the previous two games that being completely silenced is 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 a quite a surprise to me. It it's it's difficult for me to wrap my head around how you can uh, you know go go from scoring. Oh goodness, where am I? How you can go from scoring. Uh, a ton of runs on on Monday when they scored twelve to Houston's three, to being completely you know held yeah. to, held to two runs. So that either raises the question: Were those two games flashes in the pan, or was it just an off game and they're going to get back to hitting home runs like they're used to? Mm-hmm. That that I mean, did did they score? Let's see. Oh, they scored nine in game one. Mm-hmm. And they scored twelve in game. T- oh, in in game two they scored nine. In game three they scored twelve. Okay, so either way, still yeah, a, a lot. Yeah, they're 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 swinging the bats well, and that's what they've been doing this entire postseason. That's how they've been were able to beat the Rays so easily. Um, in in four games was just swinging the bat well, and uh, not having to rely on their pitching, even though Eovaldi was doing very well. So. I don't know what to expect. I uh both of these both of these teams have you know completely gassed their bullpens based on how often they've had to go to that well. And uh let's see. The Astros used six pitchers last night and the as did the the Red Sox. So they I mean at, towards the end of this series in both of these series, I think both of these all four of these teams are going to have to manage their bullpens a lot more carefully than at the beginning of these series based on how the offensive performance is is moving for for both of these teams both or both of these series um looking at uh it was let me uh we'll just talk about that that um that controversial kind of strike call once again um how how much do you think it's it's going to impact the mentality of the Red Sox for through the rest of the series? I think the Red Sox, as a team ba- or as a team, are already kind of peeved off because Carlos Correa has kind of been doing his watch tap, which the fans were not a fan of. I know you sent me a video of a of a fan doing that mm-hmm. to Carlos Correa as he's running around, which I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure if that's just like a you know like it's Dame time, like it's Correa Correa time, or if it's like an Apple Watch thing because if it's an Apple Watch thing, that's just the pot calling the kettle black because yeah, he's on the Astros. Especially because Alex Cora is the manager of the Red Sox now. 
Yeah. So yeah, I, I feel like maybe it's just more like a game or like a it's game time thing. But I I think it'd be kind of funny if it's a smartwatch thing since I do like to say that to Red Sox fans. Uh, Eovaldi says they're feeling confident, uh, saying that uh, one of the biggest strengths so far is to be able to turn the page and come in tomorrow with a fresh start. So we will see how that uh, transpires tonight uh, with Game 5, or the final game in Fenway for the series. Um, game 6 and 7 will be uh, back in Houston on Friday and Saturday. Uh, Red Sox are 5-0 and after playoff losses under Alex Cora. So that's something to consider. I think, yeah, I think I don't think the Red Sox team is going to hang up on that strike call too much. I mean, it's just base, that's baseball. You can't really do much about it at the end of the day unless you get robo umps, which that's not going to happen anytime soon. But I think the fans are going to be harping on that for the rest of this series, especially if they lose. Mm-hmm. No offense to the fans. Actually, yeah. you know what? Offense to the fans because I, I actually, you know what? I feel like any fan base would probably be doing that. Uh, Houston has scored 36 of its runs this postseason with two outs, if you can believe that, including 18 of its 22 in this series. So Houston not collapsing under pressure as they did uh, as they did not do last night uh, with getting that two-out rally, really uh, burying the Red Sox and, for, and uh, making this series 2-2. So... Um, that is going to just about do it. I'm interested to see where this series goes. I mean, it's looking like it's going to seven at this point, unless the Astros kind of fall down like they did in games two and three. The Red Sox looked like, you know, regular season Red Sox during the game last night. They did not look like the world beaters that they've looked like so far in the postseason. So whatever the Astros did to kind of bring that bring that out in the Red Sox, they need to keep doing if they want to have a chance at this series. Who do you want to win this series? Um, personally, I, I, I'd like, depending on who wins the, uh, the Braves series, if the Dodgers win, I'd like the Red Sox because I think the Red Sox are a better matchup against the Dodgers and I don't want the Dodgers to win the World Series. Um, but if the Braves win, I think I'd like the Houston Astros just because I don't really care if the, if the Astros beat the Braves in the World Series, like whatever. But I don't like the Red Sox very much. So, hey, t- that's fair. Two of the final four teams are not really my favorites uh, out of out of the thirty clubs. So understandable. Um, I'll I'll just play the waiting game to see who I get to root for. Um, the Astros aren't exactly likable though. After uh, oh, definitely not. After so. I do like. Hear me out. I do like Altuve. I like Altuve. Um, he is the player that got the least amount of trash can bangs, which could potentially show that he did not want to participate in the he, cheating. He did have the buzzer, Davis. Potentially. Maybe he just didn't want to take off his shirt. Maybe his wife didn't want him to take off his shirt. He had a That's bad all. tattoo. That's all. All right. Uh, we will talk about all of that and more on the other side of a break. I think we got DJP coming in to join us for the second hour of the show, so you never know what he will bring into the show with him. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back in about five minutes with some more compact discourse. Second half of the show starts in just a few minutes. Uh, you're listening to Comic Discourse right here on WETL 91.1 FM. I'm Jack Hart, joined alongside Davis Carroll. We'll be back in about five minutes with some more of the show.
Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jack Hart. Joined alongside Davis Carroll. We've got DJP coming in in just a few minutes, so stay tuned for that. Uh, we got plenty of great stuff coming up on Weagle today as well. we got uh, great shows. Uh, one more hour at 5, Happy Days with Jay at 6, Woodstock Hour at 7, Sheet of Print at 8. So four awesome hours of WEGL content on a Weagle Wednesday for you. We've also got two hours of rock music coming up after Compact Discourse today, so keep it right here on 91.1 FM. I think DJP is going to be DJing the rock hour as usual. So we've also got some great local music coming up right at noon. Uh, we've got some local artists that have put their stuff on WEGL, so if you want to hear from some people who have done Weagle Sessions or Auburn Stages, all of that's coming up on WEGL at noon, so stay tuned to that. All right, a uh, big story uh, out of New York City that I would love to talk about with you, Mr. Davis. All right. A statue of Harambe has appeared in New York City facing the Charging Bull statue and Wall Street, and also 10,000 bananas. Whoa. I didn't see the 10,000 bananas part. Right, real, is, real bananas? This is coming from Cincinnati.com. Uh, so of course, Cincinnati, home of the famous gorilla Harambe. Five years after his death, Harambe the gorilla has found a new place to be memorialized, New York City. A seven-foot-tall statue of the gorilla who was killed in 2016 by an emergency response team protecting a three-year-old boy who fell into his exhibit at the Cincinnati Zoo has appeared in New York City in the Bowling Green Park in Wall Street opposite the famous Charging Bull statue. According to local reports, the bananas surrounding the bull statue are part of a protest from Sapien Network meant to illustrate how, quote, bananas, Wall Street, and the wealth disparity in the country has become. So... You heard it here first. Uh, Seven-foot-tall statue of Harambe has appeared, staring down the charging bull, and 10,000 bananas lay at the feet of the charging bull statue. Um, they will all be do- donated to local food banks after the, the, uh, the art installation has concluded. But for now, it's Harambe, the bull, and 10,000 bananas. Interesting. I will say, while I do respect what the protest is about, saying has gone bananas as the mainstay of your protest maybe isn't the most the most effective way to get people on your side. But, hey, I'm interested. I, I, I'm i with them. I hope it goes well for them. But, you know. I think it's gone well already. I mean, Do you got, think there are people Harambe, on their side for we've it? We've got Harambe, we've got bananas, and we're talking about it. We're talking about it, but are people just going to be like, this is so silly. They're not, they don't have a good point. Are they going to be like, you know what, they have a good point, and this Harambe statue really makes me think about it. Well, I mean, saying Wall Street is bananas isn't really an actionable cause, you know. You just got to let people think about it. Not everything has to have an actionable cause. All right, and uh, speaking of bananas, at this point, I would like to welcome Mr. DJP onto the show. Welcome DJP, in. how are you doing on a Wednesday morning? I'm doing pretty good. I actually saw the thing about the Harambe statue. So that had nothing to do with, like, city employees. That was just a protest of people that just put it there. Yes, Sapien Network is a planned Ethereum-based social media site dedicated to privacy, independent communities, and quality connections between our fellow humans. 
um, and they think Wall Street is bananas. And the best way that they thought to communicate that to the world was with 10,000 bananas and a seven-foot-tall statue of Harambe the gorilla. That's This is just wild. I, I don't really have a... It's wacky. Yeah, I don't really know where to go with that. Because, I mean, what what's the statue going to do? I mean, other than get people's attention, but... What, it's, like, got, it's got us talking about it. What's the next step, though? Just be, get people talking about it. I doubt they're going to mobilize the Harambe statue as like a robot or anything, but <laughs> it gets people thinking. <laughs> they go, hey, maybe is Wall, maybe Wall Street is bananas. Yeah. Maybe they could have like a plaque there to show how bananas they are, like give some numbers for people to really rationalize, mm-hmm. but I'll take what I can get. Nothing gets the people moving like Harambe. That's true. That's very true. That's a good take. Do you have any? Do you have any thoughts on the cultural impact of this gorilla? Just, just. I'm sure JP does. Just writ, um, writ large. I remember in high school, Davis. I don't know if you ever noticed it around campus. The people that would write "Rip Harambe" or "I, I miss not. Harambe" in our high school bathrooms or just random. Places I did. Okay, campus. look. Well, the thing is, I never went to the bathroom at high school. I mean, I probably, I obviously did, but like, if I could, I avoid it. Like it was a rare day where I'd go to one of the restrooms. The one I'd always go to, I had a class in the you, library. You don't, you don't need to. You don't need to. Get. I'm telling you the best bathroom <laughs> at McGill. The bathroom in the library, like you know, like there's that little like airlock area when you're going into the library. Yeah, great bathroom with the, with the really cold water fountain. Yes. Yeah, I know great, exactly what you're talking great about. Great bathroom. It's technically faculty only, but they didn't care for us. Yeah, I know exactly. That one took me a second to figure out, but I would always fill up my. Uh, my mm. water bottle after PE right there. Boom. Towny time. Towny time, indeed. All right, Jack, how have y'all been doing this morning? I was listening to Moon Chat for a little while. What's your favorite type of moon? Yeah, what you, I mean, I know Any you, thoughts on the moon or space? You brought up neon moon, but in, in terms of our astrological moon, what a... <laughs> What uh? What thoughts do you have on that? What's your moon sign? Um, yeah, what's your moon sign? Let, let's read your horoscope today, JP. January, early January... Whatever that one is. I don't know what it is. I don't want to give my birthday out. <laughs> okay. Your moon so, sign is not even Are you Capricorn? Birthday, You're so a Capricorn. Yeah, that sounds about right. Candy corn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you you like the moon? Yeah, I think the pro, moon's pretty cool. You I'm pro moon? Um, I heard Davis talking about the light pollution back home and mm-hmm. at, the, at the river house. Down there, you can get really nice views of, like, the sky and the stars, especially the moon. And I love whenever, is it Jupiter, when Jupiter's visible? There's, like, the giant ring around the moon. You know what I'm talking about? I think that looks like, it just looks crazy. It looks phenomenal. JP, ready for your your horoscope today? Sure. (laughs) No, that didn't sound very excited. You're about to learn about yourself today. You know how I feel about astrology and crystals and all that stuff. Today, you may be busy at work. Your network may be increased, and with the help of a network, you're likely to get a big order in terms of business and work. You're likely to start innovation and partnership. You may get some investments in your business, which will increase your business in the near future. Your emotional relationship with your spouse will be more improved. I knew that yesterday. Mm. All right, Jack, what's your horse? What's your, what's your sign? Uh, my moon is in Gemini right now. So are you Gemini then? No, I'm a Pisces. That's what I was asking. You're you're telling you're telling me too many things. But you you know too much about astrology. Today's blessing Guilty. may <laughs> today's blessing may help you, and you may try to improve your patience. Your focus may come back and may help you to achieve your goals. You may perform well in terms of business and economic and domestic life. There may be some balance between expenditures and savings. It may boost your savings. Mm, it's a lot not, of maze. That sounds very specific to me and not general at all. So mm. I will take that. 
Oh, it says Jack Hart at the end of it. Oh, well, that's I'm, for you. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna just I'm gonna get a small ramekin and uh, fill it up with salt. And every time you tell me my horoscope, I'll just put one piece on my tongue. Boom. And I'll take what it. What is a ramekin? We'll talk about a ramekin on the other side of a quick break. Thank you to DJP for joining us so far in the show today. Plenty to talk about on the other side of the show, including what's coming up on Weagle today, including Woodstock Hour coming up at 7 p.m., DJP on the mic coming up after Compact Discourse, and plenty of things coming up as well, including Music Chat, one of our favorite segments here on Compact Discourse. A lot to get to, so don't go anywhere. Two minutes, we'll be back with some more Compact Discourse on the other side of this quick PSA break. WEGL 91.1 and WEGLFM.com. You're listening to Auburn's now four-year-old talk show, Combat Discourse. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside Davis Carroll and the one and only DJP on this fine Wednesday morning. Almost made a mistake there. It is October 20th, 2021. It's 9.18 a.m. And we thank you for spending your Wednesday morning with us here on Auburn's only student-run radio station since 1971. We are the Big 91. We are 91.1 FM WEGL. Welcoming you into the show today, Compact Discourse. We just celebrated our four-year anniversary of uh, being a show uh, on Monday. Took a, took a little hiatus, but we are back once again. Um, thank you to Justin Thomason and Jared Dillard for helping me get the show off the ground and continuing to iterate and evolve and uh, make things better to where we got to where we were today. I mean, if it weren't for Jared, we wouldn't be live on YouTube right now, where you can go to WEGL91 on YouTube, look for that orange and blue eagle logo, and you can watch us live on video broadcast. You can also watch us whenever you want. Every episode just gets stored up there. So basically, as a podcast, you can watch us whenever you want. So that is, of course, uh, WEGL 91.1 on YouTube. All right, welcome into the show, Davis Carroll and DJP. You guys still making it on this Wednesday morning? Yeah, I'm making it. I believe I some, so, I yes. got some content on board today, or on deck today. Oh, you got content. I mean, kind of. Like, I always have something ready to post on Instagram just because I'm on, like, a somewhat of a social media schedule just kind of to hold myself accountable, to keep myself posting and like practice, I guess. I mean, it's not like I'm going to be an influencer or anything, but <laughs> I want to be somewhat good at what I do just so I have something to showcase if I want to, you know, do this at a professional level. But I've got some I've been listening to a lot of good music in the past week, I'm not going to lie. I'd I've, love to hear about it. Uh so I finally got into John Prine. I'm still like very new to John Prine's music, but I finally like had an opportunity, right place, right time. I heard some John Prine songs and I was like, Man, this guy is really good. Been listening to a lot of Sturgill, like always. Um Ooh, I heard the Kid Cuddy Man on the Moon one. I gave that album a full listen last week for the first time in forever. Yeah, speaking so. of moon chat. Hmm. 
Man on the Moon, such a great album. It's it's just so well put together. Great story, great music, great everything. What's your favorite song from it? If you had to that's choose. That's a really hard one to to decide. I really like the first thing that's coming to my head is soundtrack to my life. That's a good one. Just because the transition from uh I think the first one's like in my dreams. And then it just the way it transitions is just really cool. So I just really enjoy that. That's a, a good, good choice. A lot of Krung Ben, uh, Disorder by Joy by Joy Division. Joy Division, okay. Target T-shirt band. Do you have the shirt? No, I don't have the shirt. I think Root has the shirt. Oh, interesting. The Root Man. I also added. So I have like duplicates of other songs in my like songs. Like I just re-added a Pirate Looks at Forty from a different album. Just so I could make sure that I see it and listen to it again. Just because I don't want to like unsave a song because then it takes then away, it takes the, away the timeline. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got to keep my timeline in order. My continuous or the music taste continuum is what I like to call my like songs playlist. Interesting. <clears throat> Sounds like a uh, Christopher Nolan inspired. What music taste? Music, music taste continuum. Yeah. No time for caution. No time for caution. As well as the radar report, which is pretty much what I've uh, officially named my list of facts, phrases, and euphemisms that I've learned within the past week. You got any good ones this week? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think you were in the room whenever I was looking into the word poignant. Oh, he got it first oh, try. Yeah. yeah, I've been working on that one. Sounded good. Good mm-hmm. pronunciation. Can you spell poignant, Davis? P-O-I-G-N-A-N-T. Correct. Way to go. That oh. is correct. Mm-hmm. I remember if there was an N after the G or not. I don't really have a sound me. effect for some somebody doing something right. All my sound effects are, neg- are negative. <laughs> you so. could probably get, isn't there one of Plankton saying, correct? I could get that one. I'm just saying I don't have any yet. Not uh, yet. I, I play the I play the Thomas Goof if you if you spell something wrong. <laughs> that's, that's just a truth. P-O-I-G-A-N-T. Oh, man. There you go. Just so you could use it. Just so you could use it. Thank you, Davis. Another took, one. T- I took have? one for the team. Another word I have is didactic. Mm. Oh, it's, a, it's an adjective for something that is intended to teach. More importantly, designed to like teach a good moral lesson. And uh, I'm gonna have to go into a theological term. Uh oh. Or well, I don't want to get like into could, like a yeah. lot of religion. We'll we'll try and keep it secular. But like just an example is how like. Jesus would use anecdotes or parables to teach mm-hmm. lessons. That's like a didactic lesson. Interesting. The mustard seed. Yeah, it, that's a prime example right Boom. there. Baboon. A poignant example, if you will. Ooh. So that's, so that's uh, Davis, what have you been listening to? What have I been listening to? I was listening to Blonde on the way to class today, or here, I guess. So some Frank Ocean. <clears throat> I've really been listening to about the same thing as usual. I haven't really listened to anything new. I did re-listen to uh, Big Crit's album Catalactica from 2014. Very good. It's more of a mixtape. What's uh What's your favorite song on Blonde? You know, so <clears throat> that's a hard one because any day it could probably change, but the ones I go back to most without having listened to the whole album is definitely Godspeed and White Ferrari. Okay. I think I like Godspeed more. Those are two really good ones. He hits all the notes on that one. Okay, I might have a hot take for you, though. Have you listened to Endless before? Oh, yeah. Oh, I've heard this take before, that you think Endless is better. I'm not I'm not completely convinced, because obviously Blonde has the... <clears throat> the I'm going to take... Um, 
how easy it is to listen to, I guess. I can't think of uh, the word accessibility yeah. and like ease of like easeability of listening because it's just it's right on Spotify. Mm-hmm. You have to jump through hoops to get endless, but thankfully I do have it on CD. I will say though, endless. I think the highs of endless might be higher for blonde, but blonde overall is better. Higgs at your best. Rushes and Rushes 2 are some of my favorite Frank Ocean songs. Rushes, Rushes 2, and then Higgs, best three-song back-to-back that Frank's ever had, in my opinion. I like Florida a lot. That's a good one. That's Alabama's a, really a good, good one, one, too. Yeah. I mean, that whole album is and, uh, really good. Uh, it's, I wish, I wish, I hope it comes on Spotify eventually. Am I allowed to play that on the radio if it's technically not on any streaming? I would not risk it. Okay, that's fair. Just, Just so we're safe, I would not risk playing that. Okay. Fair. Fair. I got some news for you, JP. Yes, sir. Hit me with it. A Grateful Dead t-shirt from the band's original merchandise was auctioned off for a record-breaking price. The 1967 shirt sold as part of Sotheby's From the Vault, property of the Grateful Dead and Friends, has sold for $17,640, setting the new world record for the most money spent on a vintage rock shirt. I mean, if you've got the money for it and you love the band, go for it. But you could not find me spending 17 bands on a t-shirt. No no chance. Not a chance. The previous record chance. was set in 2011 when a vintage Led Zeppelin shirt was sold for $10,000 on eBay. Okay, see, that's kind of ridiculous because you can buy any Led Zeppelin whatever tour, whatever year for like 30 bucks. So like I wonder what the significance is. Is this person wearing it if they're spending ten grand on it or are they I would hope not. A, yeah, I don't know what I don't know. I just don't kind of get it. I guess that's like a an eccentric thing. Am I using that word properly right there? It's eccentric, yeah. Um this Grateful Dead shirt was one of the band's first pieces of official merchandise and was designed by Alan Turk, a Hell's Angel and graphic artist who was a prominent figure in California's counterculture movie movement in the nineteen sixties. The winning bidder, Bo Bushnell, operates the Outlaw Archive account on Instagram, which is dedicated to 1960s motorcycle culture. It's pretty cool. So, yeah, that is um, some, some, some news for you. This Grateful Dead shirt, which, you know, if I'm being 100% honest with you, doesn't look that cool. Uh, it's yellow, which is already off to a bad start. Mm. That's I mean, a vintage one. That's that's one of the first pieces of merchandise ever made for the Grateful Dead. I'd have to see like the like the style of shirt and like how it fits, and then I could determine. You know, like a shirt's design might not be too well, but like the size, like the the width and the depth, might be the perfect shirt you've ever seen. You know what I mean? I I, I think I'm picking up what you're putting down. I'm also, a big like comfort colors guy, though I can just throw on one of those any day of the week. Hey, that's you. I'm not a big. Com- you talking about the brand or the yeah. color? I'm not a big comfort color. I don't like the. I'm not a big fan of the the material they use. I'm more a fan of like this material. The uh, like the the thrift cotton. shirt material. Feel that. That's not really thrift I, shirt. I'm not gonna. Feel JP's the, feeling it right now. Feel he, the he's really shirt. feeling it up. Yes, I, I will. Feel the man shirt. Okay, that's actually right. pretty soft. That's Your next piece of of news coming off the wire is a Wisconsin farmer grew a 2,520 pound pumpkin believed to be the heaviest grown in the country this year. However, it was disqualified from the pumpkin competition due Steroids? to a crack in the pumpkin. Oh, oh, my goodness. Mike Schmidt, which doesn't sound like a real name, 
said he has been <laughs> growing giant pumpkins for years, but this marks the first time one of his gourds surpassed 2,500 pounds. Schmidt's 25, 20-pound pumpkin is believed to be the largest grown in the United States this year, but was disqualified due to a fingernail-sized crack in the vegetable's exterior. The grower is said that the crack is believed to be a result of internal pressure from the pumpkin's large size and the awkward way it was growing. The pumpkin would have earned Schmidt $22,680, enough to buy that Grateful Dead t-shirt from the Safeway World Championship Pumpkin Way Off in California which offers a $9 per pound prize to the winner. Schmidt now says he is looking forward to the pu- future. Quote, it happens. There's no crying in pumpkin growing, <laughs> he told WTMJ-TV. I know I can do it again. We just got to look to the future. So Mike Schmidt falls just short of the record of pumpkins. Uh, the all-time record for a pumpkin grown in the United States was set in 2018 by Steve Geds of Bascawa, New Hampshire, whose pumpkin tipped the scales at 25 or 2,528 pounds. Oh, my word. How do they get the pumpkin all the way to California without breaking it? Like a flatbed truck? Is how do they, How long does it take to like? grow them that oversized big? oversized load trucks, I, I mean, guess? it can't take more than a year. Really? I mean, it, there's no... Hold on. That's crazy I'll, that they I'll can grow that much in a year. How do they... What's the difference between those pumpkins and a pumpkin... You just get it like a pumpkin patch. If they let those pumpkin patch pumpkins grow, would they get that big? Well, I mean, I don't think you can grow a pumpkin for more than a year. I think it's a seasonal plant. Fair. We're going to do some pumpkin research, and when we come back from a quick break, we'll tell you the details of how this pumpkin managed to get to 2,520 pounds and uh, how a crack disqualified it from the Safeway pumpkin way off in California. All of that and more coming up on some more Compact Discourse. We'll be back in about two minutes with some more of the show. I'm Jack Carr, joined alongside Davis Carroll and DJP. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back. WEGL 91.1 FM and WeGoFM.com. You are listening to Compact Discourse. everyone else in this backwater town but you can't fool me i listen to public radio Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM I'm your host Jack Hart joined alongside Davis Carroll and DJP. We are jumping right into things, but first we got to give you your WEGL's War Eagle weather report as it is the bottom of the hour. It is 62 degrees and sunny here on the plains today, high of 79, low of 62. Your afternoon temp is going to be 77 degrees and partly cloudy. Tonight is going to cool off to 64 degrees with a 36% chance of rain. So plan accordingly for that. There is a chance of rain tonight after we've had a relatively dry couple of days. Sunset is at 6.03 p.m. tonight, so plan accordingly if you're uh, out at the park playing football, for instance. Um, the moon is full, and the humidity is 80 percent, so that is your War Eagle weather report for today, October 20th, 2021. Auburn weather. And with that, we're going to jump right back into what we were talking about before the break, and that is, of course, Big Pumpkins. Davis, ever inquisitive, wanted to know how pumpkins can get so big, and I think we have the answer. 
Um, the Atlantic giant is a species of pumpkin, uh, Cucurbita maxima, mm. which I think is Latin for giant pumpkin. Um, it is the species, not the species that we eat and carve, but it is the species that gets really, really big. Um, people compete every year to produce the largest Atlantic giant pumpkin. One grower in Germany set the record with the world's heaviest in 2016 that tipped the scales at 2,624 pounds. It weighed more than some small cars. That is a big pumpkin. Big that pumpkin. is a big Gosh. pumpkin. Quite quite the large, large gourd. Pumpkin. A pumpkin has to transport water, sugar, and other nutrients to swell up the fruit. Yes, a pumpkin is a fruit. Water needs to move up the roots. Sugar is produced by photosynthesis, and the leaves need to go down to the fruits and roots. So to do this, the plants use xylem and phloem, if you remember that from your, from yeah. your high school class, um, that transports sugars from the leaves to the fruit and the roots of the pumpkin. Giant pumpkins need a lot of water and sugar, and they need it fast. A typical giant pumpkin grows from a seed to a huge orange squash in only 120 to 160 days. At peak growth, it's putting on 15 kilograms or 33 pounds every day. My goodness. That's like daily adding a two-year-old child to its mass. What? All of that. Did you add that, or is that in the article you're reading? That's in the article. That's a crazy, yeah. It's a crazy measurement That's they a, added. All they could think of that weighed 33 pounds was a two-year-old kid, and all that mass must move through the stem. Most of the time, the stem is so narrow that you can still easily get your hands around it. To study how pumpkin stem transports so much food and water, um, I'm sorry, you're good. Um, okay, okay. To grow a massive pumpkin, farmer, farmers will only let one pumpkin on each plant reach the full size. So. You want all the nutrients that get They're sucked like up. like off the other ones? Yeah, all the nutrients that get sucked up. That's how they kind of trick the plant into growing just one. Um, so that is how the pumpkins get big. Interesting. Um, and they, they, they have to grow wider and not taller. Otherwise, they, they sag, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, giant pumpkins get flatter and flatter as they expand in size. Gravity just weighs them down. They're elastic, they're springy, but as they get bigger and heavier, the spring isn't strong enough, so pumpkins end up squashed under their own weight. As if they grow large enough, they will even grow a small arch underneath. It's like a little dome in the middle. How tall are these uh, 20, 25,000 or 2,500? They're more wide than tall. Yeah. This picture has like a little girl next to it, and it's like the pumpkins, the girl's taller okay. than the pumpkin. That's but, not as big as I thought I was going to But pumpkins be, but are like still a large Pumpkins gourd. are like dense, you know? Yeah. Do you want to so, hear something, though? Go ahead. I know this is completely unrelated, but I meant <laughs> I meant to uh, mention it when I walked in. You know how there's the Brit soundbite in the student center? Yeah. When I walked in, I heard the windows like plugging in a flash drive noise. Just it, w- it was so loud throughout the whole building. Wonder what they were plugging in. I have no idea, but it was full volume, and I just heard it. And I was like, "Heck yeah!" And Davis, I think you have the car. rules of the pumpkin way off. I do for the official. The official. I got. I got to read it real quick. World Championship Pumpkin Way Off at Half Moon Bay, October 11th. So, the official rules here. Obviously, most of them are pretty obvious. The person that grows it, that grew it, is that right? That has grown it. That has grown it, whatever. Has grown it is the person that is going to be entering it. So, if you enter, you had to have grown it. Uh, You can only do one entry each time. A uh, pumpkin that won prizes and any other way of competition are not eligible, so you can't, like, hop around the country with your pumpkin. You remember that? It's like that guy that kept going to all the Wendy's and kept getting all the $1 deals or whatever. Remember that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> In the event of a tie, prize money will be distributed equally. 
Decisions made by the judges are final. All these pretty boring. Pumpkins must be healthy, undamaged, free of rat rot, holes and cracks through the cavity, chemical residue, and soft spots. So that's why that guy got disqualified. Goes against that one. This is the craziest rule to me. To be classified as a pumpkin, specimen must be 75% yellow slash orange in color. All others will be classified as squash, which I don't think that's how that works. What? Yeah, we'd have to get squash like a, is just a totally different thing from pumpkins. We'd have to get a like a botanist in here to explain. It. I mean, that's probably we, a, we need Hedgepath. That's kind of like the 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 whole vegetable versus fruit debate, you know? I'm guessing they must have like a chart to determine 75% because that's really specific. I'd just be like, if it's more orange, then boom. I don't. I like I know squash are different, but now they got me second guessing. Now that I've looked at the official rules of the pumpkin weigh-in at Half Moon Bay. Any any? I'm looking. Yeah. Um. No, they look like they're different. They look like they're different plants. They definitely are. But why? Why is it considered a squash and not just disqualified? I don't know. Do you think like the 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 uh, species like a, like of joke? giant pumpkin? Is more closely related to actually squash, maybe? Is that what it is? Atlantic giant pumpkin. Is it like... It's an orange fruit of the squash. Oh, that's what it is then. Cucuburita maxima. Yep. Okay, that's what it is then. We figured it out. I think it might be a square rectangle thing. I think all pumpkins might be squashes. Huh? But they're different on the inside. Maybe. I've never seen someone carve a squash-a-lantern... The first jack-o'-lantern was it was a radish, so for a turnip. Mm, interesting. Well, you have a point there. Uh, yeah, that's really all the big rules. All the other ones, y'all really don't really care about. All pumpkins must be weighed in without the use of tarps or other carrying devices. So nothing really that crazy. Just a squash one was the real one that interested me. Now have now have you ever heard of the Windsor Pumpkin Regatta? I have not. Now the Windsor Pumpkin Regatta is an annual water race. In a pumpkin? Held in October on Lake Pesequid in Windsor, Nova Scotia. Half a mile long, the race features giant pumpkins as the sole means of flotation. This is crazy. Canada. I didn't know pumpkins had such a a, a hearty culture around them. So if you at home or in the studio would like to look up the Windsor Pumpkin Regatta, you'll see many images of grown men sitting in pumpkins as if they were a canoe. Paddling across a, uh, a lake. I, they look pretty poignant. I'll say it. Is uh Canada or is it Chicago that has the giant duck? Like the giant rubber duck? Like it's just massive? We saw one in New Orleans or Baton Rouge. How big was it? It was pretty big. Not as big as the one you're talking yeah. about. Um, I think it's Canada. The giant rubber no, duck. No, no, it was Chicago because it was in the water, the wasn't it? The giant rubber duck is in Maine. What? Yeah. It's in Belfast, Maine. Interesting. A giant rubber duck mysteriously disappeared from a harbor in Maine, and residents are rightfully heartbroken. <laughs> what what happened to our duck? There's so many crazy things that happen on a daily basis we don't hear about. That's right. Um, so, yeah, looking at these pictures of the Windsor Pumpkin Regatta, it looks like a lot of fun. It does look like It does fun. look a little dangerous. Look it looks like it'd be cold. That's a, big, that's a big rubber duck. That is a giant, giant rubber duck. There's like multiple sizes of this giant duck too. Interesting. Dude, the allergies with this weather change 
have definitely been uh, getting a lot of people. It got all the worms, too. There's a ton of worms on the sidewalk. I have not noticed that. It got me yesterday, JP. I I thought I was going to drop dead on the couch. (laughs) It got me last (laughs) night, dude. It really hit me, like... I, uh, I went to go get some ice cream last night from Brewster's. It's the first time I've been there. And when I got back, I was like, Brewster's is nice. What just happened? Yeah, it was super cheap, too. I got a waffle cone. Mm. I haven't had a waffle cone in years. It was so good. Oh, my God. Brewster's is up there for my favorite ice cream place What'd you in get? What would you get in the waffle cone? Uh, cookie dough ice cream. Good choice. A lot of dough. Can never go wrong with that. A lot of that. cookie dough in there. And okay. That's, that's Fair the enough. best whenever they put a lot in there. But if I could combine two ice cream flavors to make my ultimate ice cream, it would be cookie dough and Oreo. That already exists. It's called cookie two-step. Yeah, but that's just, it's not the same. Cookie what? two-step, I don't think it tastes that great. Cookie two-step's awesome. It's not bad, but I, I mean, mean if, I'd rather have Ben and Jerry's. If, yeah, if Ben and Jerry's made a cookie two-step, it'd be heavenly. Oh, it'd but be I, top tier. I'll slum it with Bluebell. Bluebell's good in its own right, but Ben and Jerry's is better. I'll be honest, ever since that whole thing happened with Bluebell, like a couple years ago. With the E. coli thing? Yeah. I mean, their ice cream's still good now, but it, I can't see it the same. That's your, that's your prerogative. Tarnished. That's and your the prerogative. reputation has been tarnished. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's understandable. Ben & Jerry's still has a strong reputation ice cream-wise. For right now. For right now. You never know with ice cream. That's well, true. Well, Davis, you, you and your milk drinking, of course. What's wrong? Jack drinks milk too. Why am I the only one singled out about it? That's all I'm saying. I'm not. I'm not vocal about it. Yeah. What? Whatever. What's the difference between half baked and cookie dough? Half baked. Half baked's more got, than uh, cookie dough. It has like fudge and brownies. Yeah, it has like brownies and chocolate ice cream. It's very good. It's it's like one of the best ice cream flavors in existence. I had Americano Dream, which has also been in Jerry's. Americone. It's, the one with Stephen Colbert on it. Yes, I thought it was Americana. Yeah, but it has like it has waffle cones in Americana. it. Americana. There's drive-by trucker songs on the container. <laughs> <laughs> it had waffle cones in it. It had like kind of like salted caramel. It was really good. It was very good. Recommend. All right. Wreck of the day. Ice um, cream chat. Moon, moon. and American <laughs> Dream. There's a lot of moon talk today. Everything has moon in it. Yeah. Moon Scar Island. How, How about that? that? The moon stance. <laughs> Sashima reference. I can't help it, bro. No, that's the one where he holds it like way. That's a cool head. one. That's the one where you get the the dudes with the spears. Yeah. No, right. that's that's the that's the Wednesday. We are gonna head to a quick I don't break. Remember. And when we that's come the one back, where he kicks. There's though. plenty to get to still on Compact Discourse, including the NBA season tipping off uh, in the past few days. So we got to talk about yeah, that. Since man, given the two people we got hanging out in the studio with us, so we'll be right back with some more Compact Discourse in about. Two minutes to close out the show with you. We got 15 more minutes, so don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside Davis Carroll and DJP. Welcoming you into this final segment of the Wednesday edition here of Compact Discourse. I want to remind you that Auburn Stages is coming up tomorrow on the campus green space at 
5 p.m. If you want to check that one out, audio file, special guest pacemaker on the campus screen. Music is going to start at 5 p.m. That is an alt-rock band with a hip-hop opener, both from Birmingham. So get excited about that one. Dylan's putting together yet another edition of Auburn Stages right here uh, as a presentation of WEGL. That's going to be on the campus screen, 5 p.m. tomorrow evening. And we are uh, very excited for that. All right. Speaking of things we are very excited about, I know I got two NBA fans in here with me this morning. And uh, NBA season kicked off last night with the defending champion Milwaukee Bucks raising the title banner and routing the Brooklyn Nets, former ABA team, I might add. And uh, the Golden State Warriors taking down the Los Angeles Lakers. So the past two defending champs in in action on opening night. Uh, Milwaukee gets the win, and L.A. takes the L as the Lakers fall short to the Golden State Warriors, 121-114, to as Steph Curry notches a triple-double in the season opener for the uh, for the dubs opening it, thoughts on the season so far is it still considered being a bandwagoner if you like the Lakers I mean not the Lakers the uh, the Warriors now depends on when you hopped on okay. really depends on why you're a fan yeah well okay the the Warriors were one of the first NBA teams I ever watched whenever I first started getting into basketball because well, like I mean I've always liked basketball but I never became a fan of the NBA until 2015. Like during the mm-hmm. playoffs, that's kind of when I first started watching, and that was uh, that was the first matchup of the Warriors Cavs. So I just kind of went with the Warriors that season. So I guess that kind of is a bandwagon thing right there. I love Steph Curry. I love Klay Thompson. I just kind of like what the Warriors. I just kind of like what they do. So I mean, I'm not like a diehard Warriors fan by any means, but I would not be opposed to getting uh, an Oakland Steph Curry jersey, like those blue ones they had mm-hmm. last season. Those were so clean. I will say there could be an argument made for you. Let's say you hop onto a team when they're good, but then you stay with them through when they're bad, and you actively watch them and you learn their history. I feel like maybe at that point you're not really a bandwagon anymore. You're just a fan. Yeah. That hopped on at a. Yeah. I mean, I started being a Panthers fan the season they were good in 2013. Yeah. I wouldn't consider myself a bandwagon. Well, yeah, you stuck through thick and thin with the Panthers. Mm-hmm. Even though they were having a great season when I jumped on. Boom. So, I think I think there's an argument to be made there. Yeah, I mean, I became a Knicks fan. Like, I'm still a Knicks fan. I mean, it's 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 a difficult team to be a fan of, but ever since Chris Stapps. That's such a silly there. name, silly goofy name. Chris Stapps? No, the, the, Knicks. the Knicks. I don't really know what it means, but I think the it's The Knickerbockers. Cool. It's pants. You're named after pants. I guess. I mean, it's Madison the Square Garden would basketball. be cool. Besides the Mets, which is baseball, the Metropolitans. It's about on. the Mets, baby. I think another really cool name, though, is the Pistons, Detroit Pistons. I think that's just really cool for Motor like City. Cool. Um, and speaking of the Pistons, uh, we will jump into who's in action tonight. The Pacers of Indiana will be taking on Chris Tobias' Charlotte Hornets tonight at 6 p.m. Chicago at Detroit, 6 p.m. as well. Uh, Washington at Toronto. Cleveland at Memphis. Houston at Minnesota. Philadelphia at New Orleans. The Magic will be at the Spurs. OKC at the Jazz. Sacramento at Portland. Um, And then if you want to watch some games on TV, the Celtics will be at the Knicks in Madison Square Garden on ESPN. And the Nuggets will be in Phoenix taking on the Suns at 9 p.m. on ESPN. So that is your watch schedule for tonight. And then tomorrow, 
The Mavs will be taking on the Hawks on TNT at 6.30. Milwaukee will be at the Heat. And then the Clippers will be playing the Golden State Warriors at 9 p.m. on TNT. And that is your NBA schedule to start off the season. I'm pretty excited about this. I The NBA's social media is really good, mm-hmm. very well done. They capture a lot of great moments. So I'm excited for that. Uh, league fits. Do you follow League Fits? I don't, but I should. You would love League Fits. That and, like, BR Kicks. I love seeing I the follow shoe BR game. Kicks. Love seeing what everyone's wearing in the game. Just because, you know, these players have, like, a lot of money to spend a lot of whatever they want to wear. And some of them wear, like, certain things for certain platforms, like Chris Paul supporting HBCUs, other people that will do it for charities. And I think it's just a great way to advocate for an organization or something without even having to speak. All you have to do is wear it. And then they're going to get their tunnel photo. And they're going to get Halloween costumes soon for all the players. Yeah, that's going to be pretty exciting. And the one that everyone always talks about is always LeBron's outfit. I, I don't know what he's going to wear. I don't really care. But I, I'm excited to see. I could see him wearing his Toon Squad thing for Halloween. It's going to be the Space Jam. I bet he'll do that. Do y'all like that. have? Well, y'all were talking about going to Party City. We do not care. <laughs> is that Mike Tomlin? I yeah. forget. Yeah, that's a steal. I thing. need to go to Spirit of Halloween to get a costume. I have no clue what I'm gonna be, Jack. Do you have any idea? I think I think you could come with us to Spirit and and just spin the spin the yeah. big wheel of costumes. Friday, Friday. Uh, I got a friend of mine coming in town, but if he's not in town at that time, it only takes thirty minutes to get to Columbus. Yeah, he could probably roll with us. Yeah, boom. All right, might have to let us roll up. All right. Uh, speaking of uh, fits for for players, I know we're gonna jump back to baseball for a second, but I think we'd be remiss if we did not talk about. Tony Gonzalez and his cat cleats that he um those were crazy that he's been wearing uh, are they cat they are cat cleats is it his cats there is no doubt this is coming from sportingnews.com there is no doubt on which side of the cats versus dogs debate Tony Gonzalez falls the Dodgers right-hander <laughs> has taken his love of feline friends to a whole new level during his relief outing on Saturday against the Braves in game 1 of the NLCS Gonzalez was spotted wearing cat themed cleats um the cat the cleats featured pictures of cats and furry laces. Crazy. So, yeah, if you just search cat cleats, I don't think anything else will come up because that's a crazy combination of words. Uh, back in 2019, Gonzalez began to wear cat shirts in spring training every Saturday. According to Oklahoma City Dodgers beat writer Brian Brown, Saturday for Gonzalez has been known as Catterday. Look at him starting a trend. So, of course, with the Dodgers starting the NLCS on Catterday, he had to bust out the cleats. This is not the first time he's worn the cleats. He wore them against the Padres on September 30th. That was a Thursday. That was not a Catterday. Um, so, if you want to check these out, these are Mizuno cleats. They are Dodger blue and white. Um, it looks like the left cleat has black cat fur, and the right cleat has brown cat fur, and there's pictures of cats on them, and it's really weird, and I don't like them. Do I'm they not ever, a fan. Do they catch fines for wearing stuff like that? No. Okay. As long as it like stays within the rules, mm. there's no there's no rules against having cat hair on yeah. anything. Yeah, you can't have baseballs on your shoes, but okay. I think this is well within the rules. Well, I guess we can it's use weird. this uh, the fit talk transition to talk about the atelier or atelier. I don't know how atelier. to say it. atelier. Atelier. Means, My bad. Means store. All right. Oh, so it's like Panera Bread. Yeah. So do you think they're moving to a new location? Or that's what's, my what's that happening? is my working theory that they're gonna like go brick and mortar to get their own standalone place. I wouldn't be surprising. I mean, they get I just, they get good business. I, I I figure they get good business, but I'm not sure. Well, I didn't know if it was good enough that they'd want to open their own store and then have to work with the rent and stuff at 
their own instead of splitting. I assume they split it with Alley Glass. Is Alley Glass still there? Yes. Okay. All right. So is Atelier shuttered for right now? Yes. If you go on their Instagram, they just posted a very sad photo of like empty, of just empty, uh, empty hangers and says closed until further notice. Yeah, but apparently if you're an athlete or a what's the return? regular customer? Yeah, regular customer. Which I think can, I am. You can make an appointment with the owner to get your drip at probably his house yeah. or something like that or her house. I used I'm to not go sure like the owner is. It's a guy. It's the same guy that did the uh does the one in Huntsville. Okay. Yeah, I imagine they're just getting a new location, but yeah, another I hope. thing I want to mention, I want to pay my respects to Greg Bradshaw, owner of well, I guess former owner now of Mellow Mushroom and Taquerita. Uh I mean, I'm a big Taquerita guy. So this is just kind of, it's just like, you know, it's sad. But, you know, these things tend to happen sometimes. Not sometimes. It's the unanimous ending that everyone has to experience at one point or another. But just wanted to pay my respects to Greg Bradshaw for running two fine establishments, two very well-loved restaurants in Auburn, Alabama. I might have to go get Taquerita either tonight or tomorrow just just for the – for the sake of Greg. Hit my line if you make that decision, please. Yes, sir. Um, do. Also, a new spot for Davis, Espositos. Espositos. Shout, we were... out, shout out to Owen. Yeah, shout out Owen, man. I don't know if he's tuned in, but I'll have to tell him that we gave him a shout out. Owen, Owen's a big Weagle guy. He listens to us a good bit. It was magnificent. It was really good. I had some chicken Alfredo. Went pretty basic. But, you know, that's kind of like my baseline place for any Italian place. If they can get that really good, then you know they're good. Yeah, I worked <laughs> I worked there for like a week during the summer just doing dishes because I was really looking to find a job and just make some money. Uh, did this, y'all I, not, this I did not know. You're crazy, uh, JP. I worked there for like one week before <laughs> I found a job. I love your job. vagabond lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> and the kitchen crew there is so cool. Like they, they have like a really cool little uh, community in the back there, just the way they all talk to each other and communicate. It was just really awesome. I hate that I had to leave, but I – there's something to me about, you know, standing on my feet, washing dishes for not the best wage. And, I mean, there were other opportunities. So I'm sorry to anyone who works there that I had to leave y'all so fast. But they told me because I was like, you know, I, I feel bad. But, like, what's the shortest amount of time anyone's ever worked here washing dishes? And uh, one of the chefs told me there was a girl who walked in, looked at the sink, said, nah, never showed up again. Well, at least you beat her. Um, you want to give us a preview of Woodstock and then we'll get out of here for today? Ooh, okay. So, uh, before I get into Woodstock, I'll talk about the morning show. So we're just going to have two hours of music. I'm going to be working on some stuff in here, so I'm not going to be talking between every song, but I've got a good bit of music ready for y'all this morning. And tonight I'm doing a split playlist with a guest. I have a guest on Woodstock hour. Uh I don't think he's going to be on the microphone a whole lot. I'm going to give him the option, but you know, some students... They're not exactly prepared to talk on the mic because, you know, whenever you give someone the microphone, you are giving them a lot of power. If you really think about that, especially at, like, DJ events, like if someone just walks up with the microphone like, hey, say something, you have no idea what's going to come out of their mouth. Yeah. But this just in, Davis Sports Animal Cruelty. <laughs> case case in point. Yeah, case in point. Should have never given Will the reverb mic. That was actually, that was one of the funniest moments. That was pretty funny. That I've seen I'll admit. All right, so we're looking forward to everything we got coming up on Weagle today, including one more hour at 5, Happy Days with the J at 6, Woodstock Hour at 7, and Cheetah Print coming up at 8, including DJP on the mic coming on right after Compact Discourse ends here in a few seconds. So keep that dial right here on Weagle 91.1. 
all day long. we got great stuff for you. All right, thank you so much for listening to this exciting episode of Combat Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM, however you joined us today, whether that be from your radio antenna, WEGLFN.com, or by listening to our podcast. We would like to remind you that all of our previous episodes are available as a podcast, commercial-free, wherever podcasts are heard. Just search for Compact Discourse. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at CDiscAU, that's at C-D-I-S-C-A-U, for links to the podcast, information about the show, and important updates, including if the show's canceled like it was yesterday. You can also tweet at us to get your voice on the show and join the conversation. We are, of course, Auburn's only student-run morning show. You might want to go ahead and follow WEGL on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at WEGL underscore AU. Our dedicated team of marketing professionals is working tirelessly to provide you with high-quality content for fans of the station. And with that, for Jack Hart, Davis Carroll, and DJP, this has been another exciting episode of Compact Discourse. We will talk at you tomorrow for the week finale, Thursday, 8 a.m. As always, this is Jack Hart signing off. Go 1-0, War Eagle, and have a great rest of your day. Follow you home. <laughs>